0: Smart, enabling organisations and individuals to be disability inclusive and accessible. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Be People Smart podcast. I am Jodie Greer and I'm the founder of Be People Smart. Before I tell you what myths we're busting today, I want to introduce you to our lovely guest speaker, Sandy. So Sandy, do you want to tell us about yourself? Hello, thank you
1: so much for having me on, Jodie. Um, yeah, my name is Sandy Roberts, and some people listening to this might know me from um, my business name, which is Search for Silver Linings. Um, I, I guess what I am, it's hard to kind of categorise what I am, really. I, I guess I'm a disability advocate. Um, I'm a speaker and a model, um, but I, I'm kind of a champion for people. I feel that feels more comfortable. I'm a champion for people.
0: <laughs> That's actually a really nice title to be fair. Yeah.
1: Business people champion. Yeah. <laughs> that feels like more authentic to who I who I am. It's always really difficult when people say, you know, what's your job title when you just work for yourself for a start. And I don't you don't have a, a sort of business as such that sells a service. But I just i guess i do what a charity would do but i'm not a charity and i just I, I just go around helping people i i hope
0: to help people in certain ways which we'll go into during this podcast <laughs> wonderful thank you so definitely want to hear um a lot more about what you do but certainly also i want to touch on your modeling because i think it and that's also interesting Um, so the myths we're going to be busting today are as well as anything else we come across Mm because if you're an avid listener you probably know it always happens (laughs) is that disabled people need looking after and the other and it's linked is accepting help is the same as being looked after so we'll kind Mm -hmm. of delve into those a bit more and we'll sort of pick up um, to show where we've busted them Um, so first of all I guess your own experiences, Sandy. Mm-hmm. What makes you want to help people? Because it's what you do. Yeah. Well, I don't know how far back to go, but
1: when I became disabled, I um, I really struggled with the suddenness of it because I collapsed in 2019. Um, I was really struggling with my health. I've had sort of brushes with disability since I was 15, so I have had a, a long term sort of relationship with ill health and disability, but I become, became very disabled in 2019 when I collapsed. I had a, a kind of a functional stroke and I became paralysed and I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't feed myself. I, I couldn't do anything at all, really. And that really shook me because I lost my job. I lost, I didn't look the same. I put a lot of weight on. I lost that. I disconnected from the reflection in the mirror. So it wasn't about just the different size. It was more, I didn't recognize the person. And um, I wasn't able to, at that time, find a purpose for my life because all the, all the measures for being worthy were taken away from me at as I believed at that point, I couldn't work. So therefore, what good was I there? I couldn't contribute to the household because I couldn't do anything. I felt like a complete and utter burden because of my internal ableism that was very, very um, strong at the time. felt like I was just a burden to my family. So I didn't think I was actually contributing anything in that way. I didn't look in any way like I used to. I was newly married. I'd only been married about three months. So, I kind of felt like my poor husband in my in my terminology, my poor husband married this version of me, and then he'd ended up with this other version who was nothing like the person he'd met and fallen in love with, and I just felt completely lost and empty, like there was nothing left of me that like I'd been hollowed out really, and because of that i i I decided when i found a way back from that i found i found briefly i found that there was a moment in my life a kind of a spiritual moment i guess where i thought i i have been blessed with with life force i'm still alive i need to use that for the purpose of helping somebody else because that is going to be my new way of of seeing the purpose of my life because it's no longer any of those other things. And I don't know what shape that's going to be or how it's going to take effect, but that's going to be what I'm going to do. I'm going to take all of this really awful, horrible stuff that's happened to me and I'm going to turn it around to fuel my efforts to rebuild myself as, as a different version That because I, I, I realised in that process that although I thought I was solid and filled up with with purpose they were just they were just you know names on empty bricks those foundations weren't real Um, and that was going to fill myself with with solidity and then I was going to take all of that and I was going to say right okay I'm going to try to impact the world in a positive way and that is what I'm going to do with this life force that I've been left with because I'm lucky to still be here many others aren't and I'm not going to waste it there was a kind of this moment and when that happened I really thought I don't want anyone else to feel like that I don't want anyone else to feel like they're not worthy and a lot of the things that I felt like that a lot of the reasons I felt like that were lies I'd told myself or lies I'd been told by the world and I think I want to educate and help and support people to if they're struggling on whatever part of the journey they're on um, to, to feel less alone to feel supported to feel that there is a, a way out of feeling that way and I might not have all the answers but I will help them find the answers and that they will always have a friend in me so I, that's where it started and um, it's kind of morphed into much more than I ever thought but that was the root of it
0: (laughs) yeah I just I see so much kind of value um I feel like you get value out of this as well but I see so much value that to that for other people um and you know thinking about your journey and how you can help other people and the, the resilience in that I think it's also important that it's okay for people to recognize that they might react differently to a very similar situation to, you know, what somebody else has, yeah. because, you know, our resilience as individuals, and it can all depend on our own outlooks, how personal experiences pre and post and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, so it's not about, you know, gauging yourself against someone else. It's just about no. helping you, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And everybody, I, I'm a firm believer. I mean, I'm 51 And up until this time I collapsed, which was when 2019, however old I was then, God, my brain can't compute that fast. Um, I had a very different outlook on being disabled. You know, it took me till this point in my life to come to this understanding, which I feel is a much healthier and more realistic and true way of looking at things. But I didn't like, I didn't feel like that before. I, I... fought against it. I hated the idea of being in a wheelchair. I saw that as failure. So if if you are in a position where you are struggling and you hate the idea of using your mobility aid, eh, don't be hard on yourself because it's not your fault. You know, life has, has had such a massive impact on forming those opinions within you that it's going to take an awful lot to unpick them. And just the fact that you're aware of it is a massive win. Uh, I think It's very easy, even within the disabled community, to measure ourselves against other people. I I posted about this recently. But we... It's very... we, We do compare ourselves to each other. We compare ourselves to ourselves, post, you know, old versions, and also dreamt up, imagined versions of our future self. And we'll always fall short in some way rather than just accepting where we are because as a culture we're not taught to accept where we are we're always taught to chase something else it's called ambition it's called career aspirations it's called whatever it's growth it's and yes I am all for growth I am a huge champion of that but it has to come from a place of accepting where we are right here and right now and only being once we're comfortable with that, I think, can real true growth happen. Because if we're trying to springboard from where we are, it's going back to those empty bricks of foundations again. You're going to fall down; they're going to crumble underneath you at some point because they're not solid enough. And I, I do a lot of work, um, both with with what I do as work, but also on myself, to really sit with any uncomfortable feelings and not run away from them really think about where they're coming from challenge them unpick them and and process them as best as i can without any time frame and it can be really frustrating because i i want to i want to be somewhere else you know i want to be i should have dealt with that ages ago (laughs) here we are again you know am i worried about this again but we have to we have to be kind we have to be gentle and ultimately we just have to treat ourselves as we would our, our children or our parent or our best friend.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes people can be brilliant at looking after other people and not necessarily as good at looking after themselves.
1: Oh, most of the time, I think. Yes, I think it's more the majority, isn't it?
0: Yeah, pretty much. We,
1: yeah, we, we do find it hard. Um, and then there's that guilt when you do put yourself first, one being selfish or I shouldn't do that I must put those person's needs before mine yeah I think we, that, we
0: need to shift that in culture don't we yeah. we need to recognize yeah. that self-care is actually essential because you're no yeah. good to everyone else if you don't look after yourself
1: no no exactly so it is really really hard um and the majority of the time when you when I speak to people they've already had a lifetime of experiencing things in a different way with a different perspective and if it's women, they've usually put everybody before themselves, you know, their family, their parents, their children, their friends, the husband, partner, everybody comes before them. Even, you know, it's down to tiny things like when you're dishing up dinner, I bet you, I bet you, you put your mom themselves out for last. The husbands and the children's will go out first or the children's and the husbands or whatever. And then theirs will go out last. I bet you they don't put their th- that's the best, that's the best crispy chip there, or crispy <laughs> potato, I'm going to have that one. They'll pick their favourite in the family and they'll give that roast potato <laughs> to their favourite. <laughs>
0: I'll be watching when I go to my mum and dad's for dinner now to see if it's me or my sister to get the better potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Watch your mum, I bet you she dishes her own up last, I bet you she does. It's actually my dad that does it in my mum and dad's house, so okay. bless him. Okay, well I'll bet you he does his last then. Yeah, always. Yeah. Always. Bless yeah. Um, And another thing, because obviously thinking about people going through a sort of transition journey, if you like, and bouncing back to be their best selves, it can't be helpful when, you know, workplaces, social places, streets, when they're not actually created to be accessible. So you're finally, you know, you're coming to terms with a new way of going about your day, for instance. And then you can't get into places you used to go to. You can't maybe do your job because your organisation hasn't actually considered how they would accommodate someone with your particular disability. Yeah. And then you kind of—I can only make this assumption, but obviously I've spoken to many, many people over the years. Um, but it's like you get another kick because you were—you yeah. were, you were getting there. You know, you were starting to see the—you know—light, yeah. and then you feel like you sort of got slapped again. Yeah. So. Um...
1: you you suddenly think well my money's not welcome here um or i'm not i'm not welcome here is usually the first thought um and you do feel like a second class citizen you feel segregated and it is it's these micro fractures i talk about that a lot these tiny little things that in and of themselves might not make that much difference but when you have them day in day out over a lifetime or or a period of time they do have a big impact on you they start to wear you down and i i see the lack of access as the last segregation we have in the in this country you know we don't we don't force any other minority group to use a different toilet or to use a back entrance that's really grubby, or um, to pay extra for the same as someone else's gets for the you know, we don't do that. We don't make somebody sit outside a shop. We would never make a minority group say you you can't come in the shop. I will send myself in instead of you, and I'll go get that for you. But you have to, you're not able to come in because we've decided. That you're not coming in effectively, um, and if you if you phrase that as segregation, people get very uncomfortable. They don't like it. They say, "Well, that's not actually that's not really what's happening, but act, that is actually what's happening by the by the sheer nature of forcing somebody to use a different entrance than the one that everybody else gets to use because you cannot be bothered to." Put thought into it, possibly spend some money, possibly, um, because that's the that's the right of this minority group to to do that. And I, I know I'm talking about the access needs that I have because that's my lived experience. But there are far more access needs than just you know somebody in a wheelchair. But when you don't think about these things, you are effectively saying you are not worth the effort. The time, the energy, the money, so that you can feel equitable to the rest of us.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm actually quite a believer, and sometimes you do need to make people feel uncomfortable to actually yeah. spur them onto action to make change happen. But mm-hmm. if you leave people in their comfort zone, then you know they'll think, you know, if they just sort of close their eyes, you'll be gone in a minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not fortuitous, right? It's not going to get you what you know, not not just you, but I mean the world. What we actually yeah. need. Um, to happen so I think that's that's really important um, and c- kind of linking into that then I want to come back to I guess the first um, myth we talked about which is about disabled people need looking after yeah um, because of course certainly you know a, an awful lot of disabled people are very very independent um, some do need care so I just want to get your thoughts on that this myth that disabled people need looking after.
1: Um, yeah, I, I it frustrates me a lot. Um, both the two myths do, because when people assume that because you are disabled you need looking after, and we'll use that term, um, it, infantil- it infantilizes. I can never say it. You know um disabled people that you would never do. You would never do that for anybody else. Put somebody in a wheelchair, put somebody with mobility difficulties, or somebody with um any kind of disability, and suddenly they're not able to, I don't know, choose that item from the shop themselves or um speak to that person in the airport themselves or whatever. And it's incredibly frustrating it is again like those micro fractures that I spoke to you before because there is so we might need a bit more time to do it ourselves we might need a bit of support in a way that we can access things to do them for ourselves but it doesn't change the fact that we are capable in a different way of doing it so don't just take it away don't take away that the way you can't do that so Really what you're saying by that is you can't do it in the way we want you to do it. So we're not going to let you do it. And you wouldn't do that for a child. You'd say you can't do that right now. So what do we need so that you can you can do that in your way? Maybe you need a step to reach the sink. Maybe you need whatever it is. It, It frustrates me so much that we have so many other difficulties in our lives when we're disabled that then people will come along and make this assumption and remove things that potentially bring us great joy even if it's harder for us to do the satisfaction of doing it or the pleasure of doing it even if it takes us longer or it's harder or it's more complicated it doesn't mean we shouldn't be able to do it it, it frustrates me very much and I wish people would just stop and think how it would feel to take that thing that you're trying to take over away before asking the person can they do it do they need extra support how can you help that person achieve that task themselves first and foremost rather than just saying oh I'll do it for you it's much quicker it's if like I really is a huge bugbear of mine I hate it
0: it's it's interesting because I'm listening to you and I mean it all resonates of course from what I've heard from so many other people as well and I think one of the key word that comes to my mind is enabling. And mm-hmm. that's why, I mean, we've got a disability maturity model. And that's why as you get more mature, actually, level four is enabling. Because, yeah. you know, that that's what it's about. It's about enabling anyone to be able to literally go about their business, to have an equitable experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 2022. I just you really need to shake this up. Yeah, but it's not... So, and I don't even think that the majority of
1: this country knows what enabling means. No, definitely. If I was to go sat at a bus stop with a bunch of people and say, I need you to enable me to, you know, go about my day, they'd all look blankly at me, I'm sure. I'm sure 80% of them would look blankly at me and say, I don't really know what you mean by enable you to do it. Help you do it do it for you is what they think and i I, that's the change we need to educate people to understand what enabling means we don't have that at the moment
0: yeah and it's interesting the other stigma which comes back to the other myth which is you know accepting helps the same as being looked after because i mean as an example um i don't have a disability um i'm I'm not very tall though (laughs) So, yeah. you know, if I go into a supermarket, I can't reach stuff on yeah. the top shelves. So I have to ask someone to help me get it. Yeah. And that's just, you know, it's just bashed off. It It's the norm, uh, yeah. you know, inverted commas. It's, and someone will get it for me. But when that individual is disabled, there's almost this charitable attitude behind it, which I find bizarre because myself and you know maybe this man in a wheelchair behind me were actually in exactly the same position asking for the same assistance why, yeah. why have a different outlook
1: yeah no you would definitely I think if you were to focus on somebody in a wheelchair asking excuse me can you help me get that thing off the top shelf and somebody who's a bit shorter the person who's helped the person in the wheelchair would be seen as the hero and the person who's just helped the shorter person would be seen as an equal to the shorter person just happens to be taller and just got the thing off the shelf. Oh, yeah, there you go. Whereas I I see it all the time because I obviously have to, as a wheelchair user, I do have to have people help me. Um, if things are on the top shelf, I have to make I have to be, um, you know, bridge that uncomfortable gap. And I have to sometimes look at someone, and go, excuse me, could you get that for me off the top shelf? And it is sometimes uncomfortable. And it's the it's the face on the people. They're like, oh, yes, of course I'll help you. That's no problem at all. But I bet
0: you don't get that, do you? <laughs> you no, say- not not at all. It's <laughs> like and it, it just it, it amazes me. And it, it's kind of bred into so many people yeah. um, that there's there's just such a huge cultural needle to shift. Um, but of course we've got to start somewhere. But, yeah, yeah I, I just, I mean, for me, I've got to be honest, I'm not going to go on to a whole other subject because that will take us to another episode. But for me, you know, it needs to start young as well. Yeah, we yeah, need, yeah. We need in to school. be educating children at school on the kind of equity piece, on, yeah. you know, the value of disability inclusion, of accessibility and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, because we literally, you know, people are getting into their 30s and 40s and they genuinely don't get it and it's never been put in front of them.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it should be taught, as soon as they start school, it should be just brought in. Uh, And it can be very naturally brought in. It doesn't have to be an awkward conversation. Um, It can be brought in with activities. It can be brought in with helping the community. or Projects, I can imagine, you know, even just now sitting here, I've got projects bursting in my head of what things could be done. But um, even... Even within the disabled community, though, it is very um, polarizing. You have quite—I mean, I think we we have the same opinion, but there are people who, um, within the disabled community, that don't think like this. That also think that people that help uh, disabled people are just really being really really kind, and you know, when they, especially when it's not asked for. So if I'm going around the shop, I don't want somebody to come up to me and say, let me know if you need any help, um, unless it's, you know, a staff member or something, and that's their job. Um, If it's somebody who just sees me looking browsing and they just go, oh, do you need something off the top shelf? If I've not asked them, I don't want them to interrupt my day. Just just uncomfortable. But other people find that, um, oh, but they're just trying to help. Whereas I am very much a case of, if a disabled person does not ask you, for help don't interfere with their day don't don't speak to them they could be the first time that they've gone out for themselves and they're trying to prove to themselves that they are independent and you've just completely wiped that off you might see somebody even struggling up a hill you know they might not want you to come along and touch their wheelchair a you shouldn't touch the wheelchair without permission but they might not want you to come up and ask them because they're concentrating on building their muscles or it's a workout you know I I, before I Damaged shoulders. I would be obviously going out and using my wheelchair as exercise, and you wouldn't stop a runner who was puffing up a up a hill. Go, do you want me to tug you up there, mate? Because you look like you're struggling. <laughs> so you just don't know. And I, I, am a firm believer in if someone doesn't ask for help, then you shouldn't. You don't don't say anything to them. It's not it's not an okay thing to do. However. If somebody does do that to me, I'm usually very polite and I'm usually say, no, I'm, I'm actually fine. Thank you. I've got my, own, like, I get it quite a lot with my wheelchair. Um, Do you need help with that? Because I'm getting it out or putting it in. or I'll go, no, actually, you know, I've got my own way of doing it. And because if somebody does insist, they will do it and they'll put things in the wrong places and they'll be trying to put my wheelchair together. And it's taking three times as long. And and I'm just thinking, oh, well, you just not, you know, and it's it's unnecessary um but I will try my I try to be polite about it I mean I might have a short fuse occasionally but I will try and be polite but I know that some people aren't and that can cause friction you know I I I think if if in doubt don't say anything or maybe just try and catch their eye and then if they
0: want you then they'll think okay I can ask that person you know what I mean yeah Do you know he's <laughs> The the I mean the irony is, you know, most of the time all of these things are done with absolute positive intention. You no, know, people yeah. oh, are, yeah. wanting to be helpful. Um, I'll give you a quick story from a friend of mine who I used to work with. He's um deafblind, so he has some usable vision and he does have some hearing, but it is limited. Um and he was waiting for another friend of ours outside a bar in central London. And He was waiting. And the next thing, someone grabbed his arm and marched him somewhere. And he was trying to work out in what direction he was being marched and what was happening. And then he heard um, something, you know, like basically it was along the lines of saying, you know, hope you're okay now or something. And this person then disappeared again. And he was trying to get his bearings because he knew he was next to a main road. And he was trying to think, I think I've crossed the road now, but I don't know what way I'm facing. (laughs) So I shouldn't laugh at this, but we did laugh about it afterwards, right? So he's like, I'm not sure what way I'm facing. Where do I go? The next thing, he can hear um, his name being called. And then the friend appeared next to him. He said, I thought we was meeting outside the bar. He said, I was outside the bar. Where am I? He said, you're on the other side of the road near the station. And he said, I was just standing there waiting. And he said, this woman come along and grabbed my arm. And now I'm here. I'm not actually sure. I didn't want to turn around in case I stepped into the road. I couldn't remember if it was tactile or not because it all happened so fast. And um, so I didn't want to sort of end up in the traffic. So it, uh, the friend obviously gave him his orientation and they headed back across the road and they then went into the bar. And again, the irony was... This person obviously, in her mind, thought he was waiting to cross the road, and maybe you know didn't yeah. know when he could, yeah. but didn't try and converse with him. Yeah, or... just yeah. literally.
1: Yeah, took him. Yeah, and that's I mean, dangerous, isn't it? Though.
0: Yeah, I mean, and but that's why I say it's ironic because she obviously had really positive intentions. You know, before she even rushed off to get her train, she was going to help this man. And, of course, she wasn't helping. No. She was actually hindering. But, yeah, she could have literally put him in a really unsafe position, but it wouldn't have entered her head. She was being nice.
1: Yeah, this is the thing. I'm I'm a bit frustrated during this call that we're having with myself because I can't can't find the words to articulate my feelings properly enough, well enough, and I know that other people can do it so much better than me. But I know I know how I feel when it happens, and so hopefully my emotions are conveying what I'm feeling. But it is nobody ever does it because they think they want to mess up your day, and that what happens then is you know that, but you do feel upset or distressed or upset, um, disturbed in your day, and then you end up feeling guilty. Yeah, you're frustrated with that person who was just trying to be nice. So becomes this whole convoluted mess of emotions that just didn't need to happen, just didn't need to happen. If we could just take a step back and treat disabled people as you would anyone else, you would not do, you wouldn't go and help someone else without asking or saying, or, or if someone was struggling in some way, you'd catch
0: their eye or you'd do something, you would just go and take over, do you know what I mean? For the record, I think you actually articulated that very well. Um, (laughs) I think that was really clear. And I think for the listeners, certainly uh, for people who may, you know, not be disabled or even if they are, but of course, they're just thinking about how they can help other people. um, I do think that is going to give people food for thought. I think it's going to get people to take that moment. It's going to get people to actually, you know, communicate, engage with people and not make assumptions or just storm in um yeah i think i think you've actually done that well when you're doing yourself a it's, disjustice there <laughs> it's really hard because it's it, i know what's in my head but i'm not doing very well with my words lately
1: and i don't want to be i don't want to be confusing i don't give out a confusing message because sometimes disabled people need help just like sometimes non-disabled people need help and yes you can help them it's not like you should never help disabled people but you should just be aware that you shouldn't force that help upon them don't assume they need that help and don't take over yeah it's just how you manage that situation is the important thing so that you don't make that situation worse for them because just because here i, I think i'm finding myself just because a disabled person looks like they are taking longer or doing it in a more difficult way doesn't mean that they are actually struggling they might not be so try and and be sensitive to that and maybe catch their eye or just in some way use body language rather than just assuming or if you do want to say do you need help say that and then just respect it if they say no I'm fine thank you that's fine you know because I've had people not do that had people not say to me do you want help up the hill or whatever and I said no I'm fine while I'm puffing, and they're like well she obviously does and she's just being polite and they've manhandled my wheelchair and I'd you know people say all the time your wheelchair becomes an extension of your body and I really don't like it and especially with COVID and everything and all the things that go I don't want people touching my wheelchair and then they just leave you and then you don't know that they've just taken their hands off of your wheelchair so then you're not sure whether you're meant to be pushing or or whatever so it does get a bit complicated so just be sensitive treat people who are disabled just as you would somebody else joe blogs in the b&q car park do you know what i mean
0: <laughs> i'm actually grimacing um at the fact even when you said you didn't want to help um someone that literally took control of your wheelchair just, that, 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 yeah mm. yeah even though I've got to be honest, it's not actually news to me. And I've heard so many similar yeah. scenarios. And we've got, um, these are all free resources, so I'm not actually marketing this. We've got personas um, within Be People Smart that people can use. And the reason our personas, I believe, are actually really powerful is all of them. So there's, what, f- five? Well, actually, there's six, but one's technically based on me. Um, <laughs> so there's there's five personas that have got different disabilities and life experiences and so on. But they're literally all created from real experiences of real people that i would met um, over the years. And so it's funny because I know that, you know, one person's made up of like about 14 people or whatever. And there's little, you know, bits been um, pulled together. But for instance, we've got um, Clara. She um, is one of our personas and she's got dwarfism and she uses a, because she gets a lot of pain, she uses a, a mobility scooter. Mm-hmm. And so all of her stories, as I say, these, these have all come from real people, but she'd literally had people when she's tried to reach something rather than offer in you know, help or to get it for her, for instance, you know, or to, you know, offer to do that. I've literally lifted her off the ground. Oh. An adult lifted her off the ground to help her reach. Okay. Um, and I mean, this, these, as I say, these are all real stories that I've heard and so on. Um which is just bizarre to me because one obviously this is an adult you're talking about it's just really really inappropriate anyway yeah even with a child not to do the comparison you don't go to somebody else's child you don't know no and do that you know so so, like and and we're talking adults here yeah and, and just as another comparative um there's another story in you know clara's world around how actually the way she's engaged with when she's on her scooter as to when she's on her feet are very different. Um, both can have positives and negatives, but it's it's literally like people see one person when she's standing and they see another person when she's using her mobility aid. And again, like it, it's the whole thing about some sort of beacon uh, being there rather yeah. than people just sort of going oh look there's that woman over there you know yeah it yeah it, 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 I, I still find it hard to fathom if I'm honest and and I know I've been wrapped in this world for a really long time but it's a human being ultimately if they were just a human being who may do things differently to you um but people can react in some really strange ways
1: yeah yeah and and then they think well I didn't do it for her I enabled that lady to get it for herself but it, it, it um that's one of the things that I find really difficult and I I've, I mean I'm sure I'm not the first person to have said it but as a wheelchair user, the amount of times I've had people say we'll carry you to places and, and if it's in a, a, a close friendship group or something where that is is kind of more appropriate then that's fine but when it's a doorman you know or or people at a venue I'm like well would that be okay if you were fireman lifted to your seat in the theatre or whatever would you be comfortable in front of everybody having that done would that make would you feel uncomfortable about that would how would you feel about being being carried by or even not fireman lifted but carried you know like a child in someone's arms would that make you feel uncomfortable? Would you feel like you were being put on show a little bit? Will you feel the centre of attention? Would how would it feel? Because it doesn't feel any different to us because we're having to have it done. And um, we would really like to just access that venue quietly and unassumedly, just like you. So that's what we're trying to do. And you saying, Oh, we're accessible apart from this one step, but we carry you in doesn't help actually. So yeah, that that I don't like it. I don't like that.
0: I, I'm just loving all this sharing because I just I really do think these messages are so helpful, um and of course I know you've got other audiences that you you share with, and I think that's also really powerful. um Talking of powerful, not all <laughs> local audiences, are they, Sandy? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so somebody's a little bit of a well, I'm going to say TV star because to me, anyone who's been on the telly is like you know you're a TV star. But you have been on the telly, haven't you? Uh, yeah, A few
1: times now. Yeah, a few times. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I have recently, yeah, I've been on um, ITVs this morning. I There are a great bunch of people. Um, and so the first time I was on there, actually, I was on doing a phone in as a body confidence expert. And then people who were struggling with their body image, um I did have people who uh, didn't have a disability, but the majority of the callers had disability. Um, call in and just chat to me and I just gave them advice, like a an agony aunt type of person, I guess, um, which was really good. And then while I was on there, they said, Oh, would you mind stay? We've just we've just seen your Instagram profile and it looks amazing would you mind staying and doing a bit of the modelling with the fashion uh, segment? So I said, oh, I'd love that. Um, and that's kind of how I got started. So I've been on a few times now and done that with them. And uh, I was on just last week, actually, with Gok and
0: we were doing glamorous swimwear, which was lovely. <laughs> Excellent. And actually, that's that's a really powerful thing as well, because I mean, I'm seeing a lot more. It's uh, not enough, but I'm seeing a lot more now coming about with yeah. a fashion. Yeah. So I think that's certainly um helping with the kind of equitable world. Um but I think you know when you talk about body confidence and then you talk about modeling, um, it's particularly, you know, let's be frank, something like swimwear, it yeah. doesn't cover an awful lot, right? So you you know, it gives you that kind of opportunity to really kind of display body confidence. And as a wheelchair user, I have to say, we don't see enough models that no. are disabled. No. Um, so as a wheelchair user, you kind of, uh, I'm trying to think of what words to use. I should have planned for this. Um, you're kind of, um, I guess, proving a point. It's not what I was going to say. But, you you know, you're actively yeah. demonstrating that there doesn't need to be limitations. And actually, body yeah. confidence and disability don't have to be in silos,
1: no, I, I, I recently, no, I, I did a post on that recently about um I I think it was a uh, a bikini one actually I think it was actually an advert for a company with me in a bikini, and my commentary on that was am I brave posting this um, because I'm in a bikini, um, and actually I see it as a form of rebellion uh, as a as a kind of protest at the lack of disabled bodies that we see and also the intersection of my age. I'm 51. So, and I'm not skinny. I'm a mid-sized person. So these intersections are very underrepresented in the media and they are not underrepresented in society. We have a lot of people that, you know, identify with the way I look, you know, they might be disabled. They might have what I'd call, you know, a mid-sized or, you know, not, Model sized, you know, what we think of as a model sized body. And they might be midlife as well and feeling a little bit like, well, where do I go now? I'm hitting my menopause time. And am I really all washed up and finished? So there's a lot of struggles that come in amongst that. You know, when you put them all together, there isn't many places you can go and go, well, here is my kind of beacon where I can say, look, there's somebody doing it there's somebody doing it there's somebody I can I'm not I'm not done yet I'm not done yet so um that's kind of why I do it as a form of protest to say I don't represent every every disability I don't represent every midlife woman I don't but I represent me and I'm hoping that people will see different parts of their lives within my journey and identify with that and feel less alone you know and just feel empowered to live the life they choose to not the life they feel that they should do because it's age appropriate or ability appropriate or size appropriate. Do you know what I mean? I don't really think there should be anything about what we should do. It should be about what we choose to do. And when I, you know, we talked at the beginning of this conversation about when I had that light bulb moment, I was like, well, actually I, I'm not a drab kind of shy sit in the corner kind of girl. I'm a wild thanks kind of kind of girl. I was like, well, how does how do I be that again? Uh, uh, and looking for inspiration, there just was barely any inspiration. We are lucky; we do have a lot more disabled models that are coming out, and there are some midlife incredible midlife um, models that we can see representing. But there is not a lot of the two, so I have to kind of like pick bits out and then my, merge them together in my head. So. That was another reason why I started my modelling journey because I thought, well, there was a call out for um, the company that I I work very closely with, Pornois, who are an incredible forward-thinking company, always open to learning, always open to to grow their experience of working with disabled people. And um, (laughs) I thought, I'm just going to apply for this modelling call that they're putting out, this ambassadorship for lingerie modelling and I'm like, well, well why not? <laughs> so I'm just going to do it. And um, they picked me as one of the, um, I think there's 20 of us or 25 of us, and they had hundreds and hundreds and well, probably thousands of people apply and I literally couldn't believe it. And I remember saying to my husband that I'd done it, and I was just like, um, I'll tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> and then my children, I remember saying to my son, there's going to be pictures of me in lingerie on your account you might want to mute my account so that you don't have to see it. But you know what? He said, I do not care. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of what you're doing. I'm not going to be muting that. So he was very supportive and uh, as are are all my children. But um, it is really important to me that we see ourselves reflected. And I think there needs to be an awful lot more of it. And I am actually working in the behind the scenes on some really big projects to change the amount of people that we see in in wheelchairs or sitting down, not just adaptive fashion, because there is definitely a, a huge place for that, but also taking fashion that's already out there in the high street and just saying what is and isn't suitable for wheelchair users and then curating that and then offering that as my edit, if you like, these are some bits that I found, not just me, I'm working with Natalie, um, Natalie Care. She's a an image consultant. She does a lot of work with some really great celebrities. Uh, Giovanni, do you know Giovanni, the dancer from Strictly? He I'm won.
0: Not, I don't watch it. One know. of the only people in the country that doesn't watch it.
1: Well, he's, very, he's very dapper. And he dresses very nicely. Um, he won it last year with Rose. Um, and... So she does a lot of work like that, but she also has a really uh, amazing heart and social conscience and wants to help people the same as I do. And we've kind of come together and we're doing a lot of work. We have a lot of really, really great, big, big, big plans to change that so that we can become a place where people can go and find help and support with their fashion uh dilemmas style dilemmas and I think people belittle that a lot but actually how we dress how we present ourselves has a lot to do with building our confidence on the inside it did me it does me I, do, I dress to for my mood I dress to cheer myself up I dress to make myself feel more confident I choose how I want to present myself to the world so that if I'm going to an event or going somewhere it, it affects how I want them to perceive me and if our choices are narrowed because we don't know what to do or don't know how to dress now that our body shape is different or because literally because we're sat down instead of standing up and the clothes fall differently if we don't have that advice we don't know how to look our best it really impacts on our confidence so we are doing some great things to um to change that so if you're not you're not keeping an eye on our social accounts which we'll give you later make sure you
0: are because there's a lot going to be happening it's very exciting oh i think that's wonderful um and you're really working some magic Ooh, magic gotta ask you my uh, question that i asked oh, all yeah. of the guest speakers i'm such a harry potter head that this has started and so it will continue <laughs> if you had a magic wand so it's magic it can be anything and you could change something to make the world a better place what would you change
1: It's really interesting because it ties in very, very neatly with a lot of the things we've been talking about. I would change, it's to do with accessibility. I would change people's minds so that when they are out, they see with a a lens of accessibility. So they go in a shop and they go, oh, there's a step there. We need to change that. And that changes their hearts so that they go, that needs to change. We'll, we, we will change that. So if we can change people's vision and their hearts, the world will become an accessible place and we'll no longer have to check if a venue's got a toilet we can use or even if we can get in and what we can use the same doorway as people. We can sit in the same seats as people. We can have our friends with us when we're sitting in those seats. So that's what I would do. I would make people's perception of the world, I'd give them an extra sense. You know, look, we've got the five senses. Yeah. I'd give them an extra sense so they could see what we need as as a disabled community, as people with additional needs, see those things, not just in their own little bubble about because
0: people don't know until they experience it themselves. I would change that. I love that. Giving everyone the superpower of accessibility vision. Yeah that's brilliant and you know what it actually makes me feel good because I'm notorious for going anywhere even if I'm having drinks with friends and things I'm always commentating (laughs) as we go through even through streets but when we go into buildings about the accessibility my phone even on social um, events gets full of you know pictures where I'm like the goods as well so the good stuff but certainly the not so good stuff and the really bad um yeah, I feel like I have a superpower now. I have accessibility vision. Yeah, yeah, good. That's good. Well, bottle that and sell it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, oh, we need that magic wand so it can get waved, definitely. Yeah. Um, You've shared so many really, you know, great things, and you've been really open, so thank you for that as well. Um, What would you really like people to take away today so they can actually start making positive changes?
1: Um. Well, we didn't talk about the second myth. So I would say two things, really. When when people are accepting help, they're not being looked after. That was my second myth. Um, just because you are accepting help doesn't mean that you are needy. You know, we internalise that, don't we? We think that we're being needy. Because I think if you look at a business people will have support staff in that business and that doesn't make that shop manager or that factory floor manager less capable of doing their job because they have support staff you you know you might have an md of a business he's going to have a personal assistant or you know somebody to do whatever those parts of that job it doesn't mean that person is any less intelligent worthy Uh, clever uh, whatever it is you want to call it it doesn't mean anything it just means that that person is busy doing that stuff and needs support to do all of the things that they need to do and we don't think anything less of that and so if you need I'm speaking directly to the listeners if you need support to live your life the way that is equitable to the rest of the world please do not feel needy please do not feel like a burden all you are is the flipping md of your life and you've got a a truckload of support staff helping you run your business
0: and you are acing it (laughs) that is such a perfect quote (laughs) i love that um you're gonna blatantly be seeing that in um quotation marks when the episode goes out maybe even before um (laughs) so all right no doubt you're, you're just going to resonate with so many people for so many reasons so how do they find you <laughs> um thank you
1: i i hope i feel like i've been a bit jumbled today so i hope it hasn't come across that way mate it's just my head feels jumbled but i have a website it is um search for and you can find me mostly on instagram which is the underscore search for silver linings because there's only one of me no there's lots of other search for silver linings type things so it's V-T-H-E underscore search for silver linings. My name is Sandy Roberts. You can find me that way as well. I am on TikTok. I'm trying to grow there a little bit as well. But um, please do come and follow me on Instagram. I'm trying desperately to get my um, solid family there. So I want relationships. I want people to have conversations with me. And I'm really, if if you want any advice... On, on what you should be wearing, on anything to do with how you can build your confidence with that, then please come drop me a DM, um, comment on any of my posts in the past. It will absolutely help me with going forwards because that's what we will be building, a community where I hope to become a resource. If you have a problem with, I don't really know how to dress for that or I don't really know how to dress for my body or I'm uncomfortable with this, I become the first person you think of there will be a name for it at some point, but it's too early days. Sandy's going to help you with that. Sandy
0: and Natalie know what they're doing. We'll go there and they'll help. That's what I'd like. I I think lots of people are going to like that. So you now know how to find Sandy and certainly to get involved. And you're welcome to have a conversation. I mean, from, I agree you know, when it comes to networking, it's not about names on a list. There's only a point to having a network if you're actually, you know, you're engaging with people, you're hearing yeah. from them, you, you're sharing amongst yourselves. So please do get involved, and I'll certainly be looking it up <laughs> because I've only just gotten to Instagram and I'm, I'm, I'm learning. So <laughs> bear with me. Thank you so much, Sandy, for what, hey. taking the time, for coming along, for being part of this, and for being so open and for sharing and for a oh. big smile. They can't see it, but I can. <laughs>
1: Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for the chat this morning.
0: Wonderful. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. I have no doubt that there's going to be so many people that, you know, this is going to help. So it's been a pleasure for me. And until next time for more busting, take care. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Please rate us and leave us a review. We really want to know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the amazing guest speakers we have lined up.